0: y'all welcome to the nougat bell podcast all about stories of the south straight from the sources i'm your host kate robertson and i'm based in the scenic city of chattanooga tennessee join me and my guests as we talk about all things chattanooga life in the south and beyond now pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of sweet tea and join us we're so glad you're here to the Nougat Bell podcast. On this week's episode, I am super excited to sit down with director of the Camp House, one of Chattanooga's favorite coffee shops, uh, Matt Busby. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah,
1: thanks, Kate. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad to get a chance to sit down and talk to you.
1: I'm not normally on this side of the microphone, so I'm interested to see how this goes. It's gonna be fun,
0: yeah, I've been like guest on other podcasts too, and I'm like, I don't know how to handle myself <laughs> like I'm not a host <laughs>
1: right well and, yeah, and I'm used to being the one to ask the question, so i'm a, I'm a little nervous to sit here to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're going to be great, uh so tell us a little bit about yourself
1: um well i'm I guess I'll start with the basics i'm thirty three um i have my wife amber, and I have been married for. Over ten years now. Two thousand six. So for y'all. yeah. Yeah, it'll be thirteen years this year, which is crazy. Um we are high school sweethearts. Aww. So it's uh yeah, it's not something that happens too often anymore. But yeah, I did start dating my senior or her senior year of high school. And um we've got two kids, Theo and Annabelle, are seven and five, and uh go to Brown Academy just up the road from the camp house.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. So it's really I don't know, the basics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: So we can usually find you around the camphouse, and there's a lot that happens around the camphouse. So let's talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely at the camphouse almost every day of the week, and um, <laughs> yeah, that's been that's been pretty much true since I moved here in in 2010. Uh, my wife and I moved up here from. We lived in Florida for a while, and um, I, I think I've told this story before on the the camphouse podcast, but you know, I moved here to um start my own coffee shop back in 2010, came up all throughout 2009 to do all kinds of market research. And, um, when I, a month before we left Florida, the camp house website went live. Um, and I was pissed because I could tell <laughs> this is like, this is like 90% of what I wanted to do, but I, I I just can't recommend persistence enough for people trying to pursue something. Um, I kind of just kept bugging them and put my foot in the door, uh, mm-hmm. until they let me in <laughs> and eventually it happened.
0: Yeah. I, I love camp house. It's, super convenient to my work. It's like two blocks up the street, if that. Yeah. And it's a really great creative space. Like, I always see someone in there that I know who's also in the creative space or the small business space. That's good. It just seems to be like a hub for that. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think what's really interesting about that is I think you could have said any sector of Chattanooga, and that would have been true, mm-hmm. right? Like A lot of um, art people. Yeah, or real estate agents. Um, I met a guy today for the first time. Uh, I think his name was Ryan, and he just... He meets with multiple groups of businessmen every week at the camp house, and I can tell you one thing: when you come to the camp house, you never have to worry about finding a table. That's true. Right. So it makes it really easy to plan meetings there. But just you know, sticking about like talking about creatives, it was really interesting when we first opened the camp house in Southside. Um, we opened on William Street, and six months later, uh, Mean Mug opened mm-hmm. right on Main Street, and we'd always had an awesome relationship with Monica. You know, one of those things where I would call over there. It's like, hey, you know, we're out of 60-ounce cups. Can I come get some? You know, sure. And then I would take them back when our order came in, you know, back and forth, the new filters, whatever. Uh, but whenever I would do that, I would go over to Mean Mug, and I would see the exact same regulars there that we would have at the camp house. And so I was just curious one day, I asked one of them, um, you know, so why? Like, when you wake up in the morning, like, how do you decide if you're going to go to the camphouse or if you're going to go to Mean Mug? And I, and I think this is still true today. Like to this day, this is still true. It's so fascinating because he said, "Well, if I need to be creative or collaborative or have meetings, I'll go to the camphouse. If I need to get work done, I'll go to Mean Mug."
0: Oh, that's right. interesting.
1: And it has to do with the environment. It's mm-hmm. because the camphouse is always, even at the old space and now, is wide open.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Pretty much, no matter where you sit, you can see who comes in, who goes out. Um, it's not the best place for private conversations. Or anything like that and uh, and so you have wide open sight lines mm-hmm. so you sit there and try and get work done i mean good luck you know we love we love for you to come here and work but it's hard uh, whereas if you go somewhere like mean mug or mad priest now uh, or plus coffee or any of these other places it's much smaller um so you're not going to be as distracted and everything mm-hmm. happening around you
0: i'd say my two favorite creative spaces in town are camp house and Wildflower tea shop
1: mm. nice yeah on market street um mm-hmm. Yeah, aesthetically, that's a beautiful place to be.
0: Yeah, I go there. I'll go there sometimes on the weekends when I have, like, blog posts or just, like, individual work I need to do, and I can just get a pot of tea and just not stuff out.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Is it very busy on, on the weekends?
0: Um, I usually go, like, right when they're open. Yeah. So it's not, like, super busy, but there's a steady stream of people that, like, come in and get something to go.
1: Yeah. The funny thing for coffee shops, the hard dynamic about it as a business, is that some, one aspect that people really love about coffee shops is the ability to hide and melt away and get mm-hmm. things done. <laughs> and that usually does not contribute to the bottom line of the business uh, too great. But it's, yeah, it's one of those funny dynamics to have these nooks and crannies where people just love hanging out, you mm-hmm.
0: know. Um, so another thing that is a part of the camphouse culture is the mission. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the mission and what that is?
1: Um, yeah. So the Mission Chattanooga is a church, Anglican church here in Chattanooga, and um, Mission Chattanooga owns the camp house, right? That's the, okay. the sort of relationship there. Um, th- yeah, there's a lot of weird dynamics th- that I can go into if you want me to about that. Um, go for it. Yeah, so so, the, so we're, the the church started about six months before the camp house started. Uh, Chris Sorensen, um, there's a team that moved down just outside of New York City to, to plant the Mission Chattanooga, and they had a vision for planting a church in an urban neighborhood, that didn't sit empty six days a week, but was somehow a part of and contributing to the life of the community, wherever they were. And so um, so the original idea was to create the camp house, and it wasn't going to be a coffee shop. It was just a building that had micro-businesses inside of it, one of which was supposed to be a coffee shop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But about a month before they started, uh, before they were supposed to open, um, the people who were going to own that backed out. And so the, the church ended up owning the coffee shop aspect of it, um, in a way they never thought they would. And so Aaron Roush was the guy, um, if if your listeners, if they've been around for a while and they remember Aaron, um, Aaron was our first sort of barista manager, moved down from New York, had worked in coffee up there for a long time. And yeah, back in 2010, um, the Camp House really started as one of the first sort of third wave coffee shops in Chattanooga, which now, I mean, the, the coffee scene, the coffee culture in the city is so different than it was the funny thing about Chattanooga's coffee scene, I tell people all the time, is Chattanooga's always actually had a really robust coffee culture. So even, you know, people don't know third what third wave means, um, sort of before the camp house opened, before Me Mug, before Plus, before Matt Preece, before all those, um, even if you remember Brash, before all of that, you know. Brash was...
0: closed like a handful of months after I moved here. Really?
1: And I never uh, got a chance to go. So it's like a legend thing in your mm-hmm. mind now. Yeah, it should be. Um <laughs> uh, is a great place. But but uh, we we had Grave Friars, we had Rembrandt's, we had um several others that are a great example of a third of a second wave coffee shop. That's like dark roasted beans, um and things like that, uh, very much like their Central Perk on Friends, like that's mm-hmm. a that's a second wave shop. And so Chattanooga's always had a really robust coffee culture, uh, even before, you know, Camp House even existed and, and Velo. Um, you know, we were really the first third wave shop in Chattanooga. Velo was the first third wave roaster in Chattanooga. And so it's it's been fun, you know, as a veteran in this industry, me and Matt Skularik and a couple others uh, watching Andrew Gage grow as well with Velo during that time. So we got around this. Um, <laughs> you would ask me a question about the mission. I'm still talking about the camp house. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but Very yeah. we interconnected. They are, uh, and, and I think that connection is really um, different, and uh, different than what a lot of people probably would think. Where a where a coffee shop is owned by a church, and a lot of, I think a lot of people will be confused by that because there's a lot of stereotypes in people's minds about church owned coffee shops, right? Um, like what
0: kind of stereotype? I've never heard any of these. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because um, to me, like the church that I went to when I was, I lived in Pennsylvania when I was in high school and the church that my family went to, that's like my, mem- my best memory yeah. of like being involved in church was like, we had a coffee parlor and we were like encouraged to go get coffee and drink coffee during church. So like, that's like my image of relationship between church and coffee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say, so that's a good example of, of this, but the vast majority of church coffee shops that, that I'm sort of aware of. And, and there's, there's absolutely probably 90% of coffee shops, they're owned by churches, function primarily to serve the members within their own churches, right? So they're only going to be open on Sundays. You know, they're only open for youth group or whatever that is. Um, Whereas for the camp house, it really is almost the opposite is true. If you walk into the camp house, maybe 10% of the people there actually attend the mission. Um, We serve far more people outside of our church than we do within our church.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, and, you know, when you walk in, there's not necessarily, you know, Bible tracts, you know, waiting for you there's tables. no pews or anything yeah and there's just not the, the stereotypical evangelical sort of stuff happening that mm-hmm. you would expect when you if you knew it was owned by a church right. there's human. no like
0: altar or anything
1: yeah yeah and so we we get a lot of questions about what what is the sort of theological vision behind what we do because it's not necessarily uh do you want me to go into that yeah sure okay <laughs> so um theology you know, I think a lot of evangelicals find sort of purpose and value and mission in the, in the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, this is a podcast in the South, so I don't know how much... I would assume most people are probably familiar with these sort of things. But, it, you know, at the end, Jesus says, go out and make disciples. And so that's where a lot of Christians find purpose and value. But before that, that doesn't really answer the questions of, like, why are we here? Like, why did God create humanity to begin with? Um, and the answer for that is actually back in Genesis 1 and 2. When God says, um, let us make mankind in our image that they may go out and bring order to creation. And so um, when, you, when you really begin to wrestle with what that means is that it means God always intended for human beings to create things out of the world. Um, so, so human culture was always part of what God had intended uh, for humanity and for the world. Um, and so the example, you know, you can use coffee as an example, uh, but the example that I always use is, want, is the grape, right? Like The grape is this natural piece of creation, um, but it's not until an image bearer comes along um, that when we, you know, we realize if we erect trellises, we can get more grapes. If we change the composition of soil, we can affect the flavor of the grape. And like when we crush it and put it into barrels, we can turn it into wine. You don't, so you only, you only get wine when God's image bearer does something with what he got originally created in the world. And so so human culture is fundamentally good. You know, it, it predates the fall. The world was always going to require ordering. So with the mission, uh Mission Chattanooga, that's that's a huge part of the vision behind the camphouse. It's like we want to be about creating and cultivating good culture here in Chattanooga. So I think the, the way we, we talk about that is is the camphouse exists to steward the common good in Chattanooga through hospitality, culture and education.
0: That yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> so like that. yeah, so now I probably I probably meet a huge part of my job that most people in Chattanooga, even if you listen to the podcast, don't know about it's like uh I meet with church planters on a fairly regular basis to to show them the model of the can' how the camphouse and the mission work together and stuff like that. So well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's really interesting. Um and hopefully it's really cool to see other churches begin to think more progressively on how they can serve their community and serve their city. Mm-hmm hopefully that's what we do
0: yeah well that's a great setup um we'll dive a little bit more into that in the second half of the show but now it's time to play with my jar (laughs) if you've listened to the podcast you know all about the jar but for new listeners this is my mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper with all sorts of fun questions and things for us to talk about so we'll each draw a couple and talk about them and we can answer each other's
1: you've been doing this since the beginning of your podcast right like the very first episode. I, I remember, believe so. I think you did this with William, and he was like one of your very first guests, right? He was,
0: he was number one.
1: William Glass, yeah, first one.
0: He's been on three times now.
1: Okay, so William's a fellow priest at um at the Mission Chat mm-hmm. he's, he's one of our one of our guys. So anything in here, just grab yep. one, huh?
0: Okay, so I had this one on my last episode, but I'll answer it again. One thing you'll never see me wear.
1: So, I, I, I answer that. We both do. Okay.
0: So, on the last one, I said white after Labor Day.
1: Oh. And okay. I will stand by that. That's great.
0: And rompers.
1: Um, if people know me, you'll probably never see me wear sneakers just because I actually don't have any wear. <laughs> I <laughs> wear boots all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's not that I'm against them, I just don't think I have a pair. So, yeah. Uh, so, mine is um, what is on your bar cart? And you can't lie, because I can see your bar cart right now.
0: <laughs> Mine? Well, I have a shelf and a cart. The cart is going to be replaced soon with a cabinet, and the cart will be repurposed into a planter on my porch. Um, but now I've got a couple bottles of wine, some bourbon, and on my shelf I've got more bourbon, <laughs> some vodka. Oh my
1: goodness, I didn't even see that. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: uh, that was a find at the refinery.
1: Nice. Well, that's beautiful, my uh, my wife. Like you got to tell me where you got this copper bar set because that is beautiful, and my wife would love that. It's
0: a Christmas present.
1: Ah, oh, so you don't know where they got it.
0: No, I don't. That's um, I love it though. I like to pretend that I'm a mixologist, and I'm really not. <laughs> I
1: mean, you have enough bottles to be one. I'll say that.
0: <laughs> my bartender friends would laugh at me. <laughs>
1: They'd
0: be like, "Stop, you poser."
1: <laughs> well, on my bar cart at home, so I don't have a cart either. But we just moved in a new house, and we have this. A uh, beautiful section of our kitchen is just perfect as a as a, as a small bar, uh, minus the sink, so It's not a wet bar, it's just a bar. Uh, but routinely, there's two whiskeys you'll find there. One is Very Old Barton, uh, preferably the hundred proof, but it's like the cheapest, really good bourbon you can get. Like literally for a 1.75 liter bottle, it's like 25 to 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's it's so good for the price. Um, and then two is an Irish whiskey called Sexton. Um, which is like the coolest bottle. Like the bottle is what drew me to it, and my mm-hmm. wife just happens to really, really like it. But it's a it's a really cool bottle. You know, I don't, where do you where do you go? Do you go to imbibe normally? Where, um, where?
0: I kind of bounce around. It okay. depends. I like imbibe. Um I'll stop in Riverside every now and then. Yeah. There's a little place right on Signal Mountain next to Food City called Harry's. Okay. That I'll go to every now and then. Um, just whatever's convenient to me. I'm not like yeah. loyal to a specific place yeah. yet.
1: I feel like I've become loyal to Imbibe, um, just because they have such a great selection. It's mm-hmm. it's cheap, and they give an industry discount. So. Oh, nice! Yeah, so it's really great.
0: Uh, my beer guy is over in East Brainerd, and that is the only reason I will go to East Brainerd East now Brainerd. is to go to my beer guy. How
1: do you have a beer guy out there? How did this happen? This there's got to be a story for you having a beer um, guy out there. So
0: it's a uh, Sigler's. Okay. Yeah. Over right off the interstate. Yep, right on um, East Brainerd Road. And the guy who owns it, his wife is another blogger in town. Okay. So I got connected to her and then I figured out that her husband is the one who owns Sigler's. Yeah. And then I went there one night uh, when I used to live out there because when I lived out there I would just pass by every day driving home from work. And I just started talking and his wife was there one night and we were like Instagram friends and we were like I know you from Instagram (laughs) but I've never met you. Um, And when I go he'll just like talk to me and like recommend good beers for me. And my dad's are really big into craft beer as well. So when I go home or they come out here, I'll go to Sickler's because they have an amazing six pack selection. Oh, nice. So I'll go there and do like uh, the mix and match stuff. And right. Phil is really good about if I say like my dad wants something, a hazy IPA or he wants to try a milk stout, yeah. he can always pick out like certain ones. Yeah. So if you're, if you're
1: taking, and this is like, I host podcasts and now I'm taking over. But <laughs> so if you're gonna take your dad for Christmas, one local beer, what would it be? Even though we're just past Christmas.
0: Um I usually take him Hutton Smith. Yeah. I got him hooked on Hutton Smith pretty good. Um last time Their
1: Oktoberfest t- was fantastic.
0: That one was really, was really I like that one a lot. Um I got their Cruxmas this year, their yes. winter ale. And that was also good. It was? I'm a huge fan of their promenade. That's probably my favorite beer in the city. Yeah. I think this last time I took him the Monkey's Heart from Odd Story, Okay, yeah. and he loved it.
1: That's good. I actually just bought that for a friend who did me a favor, and I told him I'd get him a six-pack, and it's exactly what I got him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I didn't get a chance to try that one, but my dad said it was really good, and my dad and I have very similar taste, but I got him hooked on Hutton and & Smith, and then I took them to Heaven & Ale one of the times that they were here, and my dad and I loved it. I just... Like, my mom's not a beer person, so yeah. my mom was like, do you guys have wine? And I was like, no, mom, it's a brewery. But at the time, they had uh, champagne IPA. Okay. So I was like, just get, you can get, like, a five ounce or whatever the small one is, and if you don't like it, I'll drink it. Right. And she ended up drinking it. So I was like, yay, we found a beer mom likes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the subtext of that whole story, though, is that uh, MLK has turned into, like, a really great place to take people for beer so mm-hmm. much fun
0: there's odd story hutton and smith is there um and then and- barley's
1: tap room mm-hmm. and then you go play games i mean it's great chicken
0: and then all the restaurants that are there yeah. Champy's, two sons okay.
1: the barbecue place um it's a great place
0: yeah we we could spend a whole episode talking about it okay <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do another round Okay, I also had this one on my last episode. <laughs> if you could buy a drink for anyone, dead or alive, who would oh my it be? gosh, that's tough.
1: A drink for anyone, dead or alive. So right now I'm reading a book called Stamp from the Beginning by Ibram Kendi. And it's, it's a, this subtext is uh, the definitive book on uh, racist ideas in America. And it's fin- it's just fantastic. Uh, one of the main characters that he talks about is, is Thomas Jefferson. He holds up Thomas Jefferson as this person who at the same time was both an an a segregationist and assimilationist. Like he in one breath he would say that blacks are very studious, African Americans are very studious and hard working, and in the next breath he'd say they could never have freedom, like they couldn't deal with it, you know. And so I, I would really just I think I'd love to have a drink with Thomas Jefferson um mm-hmm. <laughs> now. Just to really dig into that more and um, when, when you see somebody making completely contradictory statements about things, it's like, how, how are you personally actually holding this together? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: how are you justifying this? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I think right now that's probably the most interesting thing uh, that I'm reading, and so, yeah, maybe that, or maybe Wendell Berry. It would be an author. Yeah. That's what's clear to me.
0: <laughs> um, the last one that I said was also a writer. I said David Sedaris.
1: Oh, nice, But yeah. I've
0: had a chance to That would be fun.
1: Him. Oh, would be really I really
0: He's the reason I'm <laughs> um but after thinking about it i'd have to say like one of the celebrity chefs like, <laughs> like gordon Ramsay with a beer would yeah. just be my favorite thing in the entire oh, world it would be
1: so good see this is not this is not a fair question because you've thought about this now multiple times
0: oh well in my last episode i got this and i told the guys i was like i write these questions and i don't think about them
1: <laughs> so on the spot
0: yes when I, when we were recording i was just like what am i gonna say
1: yeah yeah
0: and then of course I thought of like Gordon Ramsay. As soon as we quit recording, I was
1: yeah. like,
0: <laughs> fine, whatever. I'm sure I'll get it again.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Then in that case, the cast of The Office, like if I could just oh. do a whole cast, like just to sit in their room in a room with them as they all had coffee, like that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, my wife got us tickets to do The Office trivia at Odd Story this nice. week. So I'm pretty excited about that. That
0: will be fun. Yeah. The Office was a show that I never got into. How
1: how old are you?
0: I'm 27.
1: So you were like, you got into Parks and Rec before?
0: I didn't get into Parks no? and Rec either. No? Okay. I tried.
1: Usually I can make a, there's a generational difference there. Not, It's not a generational difference, but like, if you're under the age of like 30 or 29, mm-hmm. you watched Parks and Rec before you watched The Office. And if you're a little bit older than that, then, because it came out when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Like it was a big thing. and uh, And so for my wife and I, it's like. We've watched it so many times.
0: I tried. There are several shows that, like, everyone loves that I tried. I gave them a, I gave them a chance. Mm. I couldn't get through How I Met Your Mother.
1: Uh, I'm with you on that one.
0: Ted Mosby just drove me insane. Yeah. I couldn't. Like, I've watched Friends probably 20 times start to finish. And as much as I've watched Ross Geller disrespect women... <laughs> I couldn't deal with Ted Mosby. I, have
1: you talked to William about this? He hates Ross Geller so I much. I do, too. He's so great.
0: I hate him so much. Um, William, I know you're going to listen to this. Yep. Next time we talk, we're talking about Ross Geller. Yeah. Um, but Ted Mosby, I just... Ugh, he just... Anyway. Um, try New Girl. Yeah. Um, got through about four seasons of that, and then... There's See, just, you made it
1: farther than we did. There's just
0: something far. about Zoe Deschanel that I'm just like... I can't and she's the main character yeah and then I just got annoyed with all the other characters and was like no I can't I'm sorry yeah um
1: so it's weird for me now to watch her in serious roles like I had never watched Bridge to Terabithia my kids wanted to watch it one day and they love that movie and she's like a serious character in that role mm-hmm. you know like and so trying to watch her in serious roles is weird now.
0: I read that book when I was in like
1: See, I never did for some reason. Like I know that that was a big one. Like The Giver was another one. Mm-hmm. I Actually, never read The Giver when I was in Neither. elementary school. But that's a yeah. The Bridge to Terabithia. Um, I was <laughs> watched it with my kids for the first time. I was like, oh, if I knew how it ended, I don't know that my five year old would watch this yet. But um, but they loved it. Mm-hmm. So so I won't spoil it for anybody listening. Go watch, <laughs> go watch the movie. All right. So one place in Nuga I haven't been to yet is. So I've actually never been to Tony's.
0: I've been once. Okay.
1: So yeah, my wife and I have been here eight years. We've never been to Tony's, which um, now that probably doesn't seem too weird to people. But like when we first moved here in 2010, I mean, there wasn't that the restaurant scene wasn't, I mean, today's restaurant scene is three times bigger than what it was then. So yeah, we never, never went to Tony's.
0: I have not successfully hiked Snooper's Rock yet.
1: Oh, I haven't either.
0: I tried and got lost. That's terrible to say.
1: I don't think I have. Where's Snoopers Rock at? Is that on Lookout?
0: It's on, I believe it's Signal, but it's the Prentice Cooper. Yes. So it's a little bit further out. I tried with a friend and we got lost. (laughs) You got
1: lost. Wait, so like how long were you lost for?
0: It was supposed to be like a two mile hike and it turned into like a six mile hike.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: I couldn't walk for three days.
1: (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) So how did you guys find your way back out? Like... Did you run into people? We
0: ended up running into people and they told us, they're like, yeah, if you just go this way and this way, you'll get to like a dirt road and that'll loop you back around to the main trail. And we were on that dirt road for like a mile and a half (laughs) and it was cold. It was like February and it was in like the high forties, low fifties, but it was like misty and gross and... I was going to a friend's birthday dinner at Taco Mamacita later that night. I swear I had five tacos. <laughs> I
1: was like,
0: I earned these tacos today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that, that's the good justification for actually doing strenuous hikes in January is if you made any sort of commitment for New Year's resolutions, you, know, you feel very justified afterwards. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I'm pretty sure I had a margarita that night too. <laughs> I earned that margarita and those tacos. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's great. So yeah, my wife and I live here eight years and my son is seven years old, so... I think there's a lot. There's several hikes like that that we just haven't done. That are like, yeah, it's more than a mile, and we have a little kid with us, so I don't think we can do it. Rainbow you know? Lake
0: wouldn't be a bad one.
1: So that's that's where we've been. We've been to Rainbow Lake probably I don't know 15 times since we moved here. Because whenever mm-hmm. we have like friends coming to town too who don't mm-hmm. live here, that's like one of the easiest hikes to take people on. Um, uh, Stringers Ridge
0: has like three or four trails, and I think there's one that's kid friendly.
1: Yeah, we hike out to that. Um, they have that. Observation deck mm-hmm. on Stringer's Ridge that we hike out to a lot too, um, that and then um, what's the one on Lookout? It's really easy. Glen Falls. Yeah. Those are like the three, like the three standard family mm-hmm. hikes, and then North Chick is the swimming hole in the yep. summertime for
0: the kids. It's That's great. a good one. I haven't done Cloudland Canyon yet either. No, I haven't
1: either. We haven't gone down there uh, because people tell me it's like nine hundred steps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, I know I'll have to carry my five year old if I do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that one, or here's another waterfall, Fall Creek Falls. I haven't mm. done yet.
1: That's beautiful, and and I will say this: right now is an awesome moment to go because the water is so high. Um, so all the waterfalls are just like booming right now.
0: I went to Foster Falls this time last year. Yeah, and it was frozen over. Oh, that's amazing! It was it was because cool. that's a
1: big that's a big waterfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wow.
0: were people like out there like trying to skate around and i'm standing there just like oh my gosh oh my gosh i don't know you but please don't fall please don't fall yeah yeah i don't want to have to call nine one one. i have no service out here <laughs> All right, let's do one more each okay what's on your playlist
1: oh that's great so again, I have kids, so for right now, for some reason, the My Little Pony movie soundtrack has been on repeat. Um, but like this week, listen to some Damien Rice Oh, uh, Taylor Swift's 1989 album, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, I, probably the album I've listened to the most in the past three months is Leon Brid- Bridges' latest album.
0: Oh, um, I've heard it's really good.
1: It's so good. I mean, his first album was amazing. Um, and it's, he's one of those artists that if you, if you like what he does, you can't get too into it just because the next album is going to be different, right? And it's going to be completely different. And that's what was so shocking about it for me is I loved his first album. His second album is totally different and just as phenomenal. Interesting. So yeah, Leon Bridges, I'm a big fan of Leon Bridges.
0: Good to know. Um, so I'm still listening to Christmas music. (laughs) Um, I discovered an album last year that I couldn't get enough of and I listened to it All year this year. Not all year, but all season. uh, There's a band called The Piano Guys. The
1: Piano Guys. And
0: they are mostly instrumental, but they do some vocal stuff here and there. But piano, I think they've done some strings, some other percussion, probably some guitar thrown in there. But they released an album in 2017 called Christmas Together. And they have another Christmas album, but I can't remember the name of it. But Christmas Together. I listened (laughs) to that on repeat so it's just beautiful music yeah like even past christmas their arrangement of joy to the world they do um a version of ave maria with oh holy night oh, that's awesome and it's gorgeous the piano
1: guys mm-hmm. definitely will check this out
0: christmas together
1: that's good so you're from north carolina is that right
0: originally okay
1: so are like on a scale of one to ten like how pissed are you every christmas that you're here and it doesn't snow oh no, really <laughs> you see, love christmas music i totally expected it to be way up there
0: see i lived in pennsylvania mm. and when we had like five feet of snow in two days i was like no nah, that's enough
1: yeah okay. so
0: i i got my quota of snow
1: yeah so i tell people all the time that's part of the reason we moved here when my, my wife and i we very first visited it was the first weekend in april 2009
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the day we rolled into the town there was snow flurries And so for my wife, that was like a sign from God that we're meant to move to Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I remember one year in high school, I think it was my freshman year. It was like April and I rang handbells in high school (laughs) and we were going to a handbell conference in state college. I don't know how (laughs) our director found this, but she did. And it was, it's the nerdiest thing I've ever done, but it was like 20 handbell choirs from across the state, maybe a couple from like Delaware, New Jersey. All in this big old gymnasium in State College. And the director, conductor, whoever, who wrote like five of the pieces we played. And it snowed (laughs) that weekend in State College and the town (laughs) we lived in. And I was like, it's April. This is not normal. Yeah, that's crazy. We almost got snowed in in State College. I was like, I I can't. (laughs) I can't stay here for more than two days. We did not get snowed in in State College. Thank goodness.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, okay, so let's see here. My go-to drink or cocktail is... So this is kind of similar to the bar cart thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would just say it's a...
0: Mine's an old-fashioned.
1: Yeah, that's pretty simple. um, Easy to go to. I mean, I really do just normally drink whiskey neat um, Mm -hmm. wherever I am or... A, if if it's if it's any time in the fall if There's an Oktoberfest beer available A mm-hmm. Marzen I'll usually drink that
0: I do Old Fashioned or a Mint Julep
1: Okay yeah, If you just need something more refreshing mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good
0: uh, Now I want to make one But I don't have any mint <laughs> I don't have any mint Alright We're wrapping up this segment of the jar And if you're listening and you have a question You would like to hear on this let me know, leave me a review or find me on Instagram at the Nugabell and I'll add it. All right. So back to talking about the Camp House. Yeah. You've got all the coffee stuff and you've also got like teas and mm-hmm. several other drinks and you have a full food menu as well.
1: Yeah, we do. It's interesting too. Our, our food menu tends to change, uh, you know, every six months or so. Um, I don't. I don't think it will anytime soon now. But uh, yeah, we we have um, Dan Rubino is our director of operations, and he's like a professional chef from up in New York. Most recently spent like a year running a resort in the Caribbean. <laughs> casual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very casual. Um, but him, him and his wife, Rita, have come down and have, have kind of poured themselves into the camp house in a big way. Rita's our GM. Yeah, Dan came up with a new menu idea for the camp house, along with um, Joey Wilson, who's one of our chefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've
0: chatted with him on Instagram before. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, that yeah he's mac got his own he did. his mac and cheese is phenomenal it's cool. really really good him and and Jose Alfro who used to be our GM um both of them had these incredible mac and cheese recipes i don't know what it is the south i guess mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> so so dan came up with this great kind of crazy idea where people can come in so this is kind of like for lunch now for breakfast you know we've had this thing called the camp house waffle forever mm-hmm. and uh where it's a waffle with yogurt and granola and fruit and dates syrup, and then quiche and stuff like that. But for lunch, if you come in, like you can choose a base, choose a protein, and choose a flavor, uh, and so there's like I don't know, sixty different combinations you can mm-hmm. get that way. It's really weird, um, <laughs> but it's but it's delicious and it's fun and. Um,
0: I so I have only ever done not breakfast at the camp house a handful of times, okay. and one of those times was for that mac and cheese.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you get for breakfast normally?
0: So I used to get the Camp House Biscuit. Ah. That's not a thing anymore.
1: No. no sorry.
0: <laughs> I I loved the Camp House Biscuit. So I think I should have said earlier, Camp House was actually one of the very first places I ever went to when I moved here. Ah, okay. And one of the first things I ever got was the Camp
1: House Biscuit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I got it, it just came with like butter and jam. Yeah. And then I got it with like egg and cheese and stuff on it super, super good. Um, but recently I've been loving the breakfast tacos.
1: Okay. Yeah. Which ones do you get? Um, ranchero. It's got the, the beef. No. Sriracha eggs.
0: I can't, I don't even remember what they are, but it doesn't have beef on them. Okay. It's like the eggs pesto. Okay. Yeah. I forget what they're called, but those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love those. Um, I had the quiche the other day. That was super good.
1: So breakfast is so popular that we actually, I think, recently just brought back. I think like six or seven items are available all day again, mm-hmm. um, including the waffles. Because um, by far and away, that's been like the most single most popular food item at the mm-hmm. Camp House ever is, is waffles.
0: Yeah, um, they're super good too. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, can you talk a little bit about where y'all's coffee comes from?
1: Yeah, so our you know our coffee comes from a a, a good friend of ours named Kyle Bellinger. Uh, up just outside of New York. Um, he's part owner of the, it's called what's called Neat Coffee up there. And, um, yeah, he started roasting, oh, I don't know, I think maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. And about three years ago, he won a Good Food Award. Um, he's currently got a cup of excellence um, coffee out right now. And about a year ago, we started a relationship with him. He would buy specific lots for us and, and roast them for us. And so Kyle, and Kyle, man, his... his him and a, and a Colombian own a farm down in Colombia now uh, where they're producing their own coffee. So he uh, Kyle is involved in every single uh, aspect of the coffee chain from origin all the way through importing to roasting oh, to cool. then sending it to us. And so it's a really fantastic relationship. Um, and he's doing some incredible things. Like I said, he he one of his coffees right now has just won a Cup of Excellence Award, which is pretty much the best um, industry award you can get as a roaster, you know, it's judged by his peers and competitions and things like that. So yeah, so he's, he's been um, fantastic at what he does. and we're really excited to partner with him mm-hmm. um, and creating um, coffees for the camp house.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And y'all have got all the classic espresso drinks, the mochas, the cortanos, yeah, the Americanos.
1: Right now we're kind of sad. It's we, for about six months now, our, we, we had a Keyes Vander Weston espresso machine mm-hmm. which I know nobody really knows what that is but if you, if you kind of look this up they're gorgeous espresso machines and mm-hmm. they're Dutch and and it's been out of commission for a while uh, we should have it back sometime soon um, so right now we have um, a much more standard generic espresso machine It still makes great coffee but it's mm-hmm. not pretty um, it's not the same it's not the same and I think it was I can't remember if it was in barista magazine or fresh cut but there's a barista who used to live here named Andrew Bettis he used to work for us at the camp house. He worked at Brash. Now he's up in Chicago. Um, and it's kind of just like taken off in the coffee world. He's an, he's an incredible guy, incredible barista. But he got barista magazine or Fresh Cup. I can't remember one of them. It's one of the two industry magazines to write a special article on Chattanooga's coffee scene. Oh, wow. Specifically because at the time we had the single greatest diversity of espresso machines of any city our size. like. Like you can you can go to San Francisco and find this or in Seattle, but not not a town of hundred and sixty thousand people anywhere else. And that's because like we had um within our town, I think we had the farmer's daughter and um Copacetic, they had a uh Seneso machine, um, they had a Slayer machine at um Revelator, um they had the brand brand new Lum at Brash, we had a Keys van der and there's one or two others. But just so it was just an unbelievably unique array Mm -hmm. of really high end, really nice espresso machines, and so like, yeah, I was super, super proud of that article. But yeah, so I miss our keys, Vander Weston. All that to say,
0: Uh, Farmer's Daughter. Now that you mention it, was also a place I never made it to. So it is again a legend in my mind. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry.
0: I always heard such good things about it and I was like, I'm going to go and then all of a sudden it was closed and I was like, Well, missed my chance. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not a cheery chatting again.
1: <laughs> yeah. I do I mean, it's just I, it's such a beautiful Chad thing too that when they decided they were gonna close their doors and they didn't want to do it anymore they called up, you know, Jason Bowers and Matt Skylark and said, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, we're gonna stop doing this. We really love and respect what you guys are doing. We'd mm-hmm. love for you to come here and that's the birth of Daily Ration in case you yeah. didn't know that. Um I do but like yeah. the
0: daily ration oh I've absolutely been, been there a handful of times uh
1: there's there's not too many better people in the city than than Matt and Jason so Truth. great great guys
0: um so last thing I want to talk about uh, a relatively recent announcement on the camp House side is yeah. y'all are going to a new location later this year
1: we are we will be moving, and so um you know ever since we've first existed, we've always existed on five year leases right um like most you know we just don't hadn't had the opportunity to buy and so uh yeah our our lease had ran up in Southside, and so we're able to move to mlk um and our lease runs up at the end of this year at the end of 2019 and um you know we started off this podcast really talking about the relationship between the camp house and the church you know most people probably look at the camp house now and be like um, you're clearly not outgrowing it for the camp house Uh, if anything it's too big for the camp house and that's absolutely true um, we can't we can't see a scenario where the church doesn't outgrow that space in the next two years, mm-hmm. and so it just made it really hard to sign another lease and as we you know put together a committee to kind of explore other options, it became clear from the very beginning of that that people had a real appetite for us to purchase uh, mm-hmm. a spot and so uh, we kind of narrowed our options down and that's exactly what we're gonna be doing we're gonna be moving and actually purchasing our next location oh cool so it's really exciting because it's gonna offer Sort of a level of stability for the camphouse and for the mission that we have just never had uh, in the eight plus years now that we've been we've been mm-hmm. operating. Um, and that can so make really such excited. a difference. That's going to be a huge difference. Um, one, one of the biggest changes too is that um, so our camphouse space and the worship space have always been the same. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I say this as a as a way to apologize to everybody out there. But if you ever come <laughs> into the camphouse, you'll notice that our tables, you know, might be a little rickety, um, things like that. It's because our tables get moved constantly, constantly like wait, like just it's not meant to be moved as much as we do. But in our new space, um, the camp house and that and the the bigger gathering space will be separated, and so furniture won't have to be moved as much. It's gonna have far more nooks and crannies, like for people to sit, but we'll still have the big space to do concerts and things just like we currently do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited about that.
0: Yeah, can you say where this new space will be, or is that?
1: Yeah. Wraps. No, not at all. We've we've been very very open in, about it since we made the announcement. So this is going to be on Twelfth Street. Wow. Which, yeah, I mean, if if you're listening to this and you know where Twelfth Street is, then good for you. <laughs> um, and we're very very happy that you do. Um, if you think about being on MLK and trying to go to Main Street, um, there's only two ways to do it, right? There's Market Street and there's uh, Central. Mm-hmm. Like there is no other connecting street all the way from from MLK to Main. So uh Twelfth Street is really in that gap where you can't really get to South Side, and so it's down in that in that gap. It's an area of town that's known as uh, historically has been called Onion Bottom. <laughs> yeah um, do people
0: cry a lot there?
1: No, well, maybe, but uh, but it's what the really cool backstory is, is so this is where all the railroads um, came into the city. okay so this is historically the place where the the original farmers' market was. It's where all the agricultural products of the city came in and out of. Um, so so if if people know where like the current Dixie Produce Warehouse is, this is right across the street from that. So, oh, okay.
0: um,
1: yeah. So we can from our from where we're gonna be, we can actually see sort of the the new Bluebird Row apartments that are in the Choo Choo mm-hmm. property. Like we can see that, and then we can also see like the King Street building that's being redone, the Moxie Hotel. Mm-hmm. Not that we're very close to those things, but like you can see them from where mm-hmm. we're going to be. So um, a very
0: central location.
1: It's very central. Uh, it's an area where there isn't much going on right now in terms of you know, all the development we see happening around the rest of the city. It, but there's a lot of, uh, of people there. It's at the kind of the edge of the MLK neighborhood. It's right between the MLK neighborhood and Southside neighborhoods. Uh, but it's, it's right where the Chattanooga City Public Works are. There's a police station there. The community Kitchen is, is about a block and a half from where we're going to be. Um, and then time for Suppress press is not very far at all. Yeah. You know, we're, we're really excited to be there. We're really excited for the opportunity to, you know, serve a new part of our city that we really haven't, you know, necessarily interacted with before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be some new challenges, but we're really excited about it. And our, our church is really excited about it mm-hmm. too, which is, which is huge.
0: Uh, so you said moving there end of this year or early next year?
1: Yeah, so our lease is up. I think it's November or December of this year. Okay. One of the two, um, which for construction details, that's like a very very tight timeline.
0: That's what I thought uh, when I saw. I was just like, that's yeah. quick. <laughs> it's quick." It's
1: going to be really quick. I mean, th- that said, this process has been going on for about six months now. Mm-hmm. Like we knew in the summer, like at the end of the summer, that this is uh, that we we're looking, for, we we're looking for a spot actively by the end of this past summer. Yeah, it's it's going to be tight, and and really you know, if you've been in Chattanooga long, it's, it's rained so, so, so much. Oh my um, goodness.
0: And I it's think really 2018 putting us was one of the like wettest years on record.
1: Yeah. And so that's killing us. So we really need this rain to calm down and, uh, and allow us to get some construction started. So that'd mm-hmm. be good. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's so exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited. The The, the thing I'm really excited about is in this new area, you know, we're going to have our own courtyard. Mm-hmm. like So we're going to have this significant outdoor space where we're going to be able to do um, concerts and film screenings and things like that. It's going to be mm-hmm. outside. and um, Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, I can't wait to see how it all comes together. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, we're going to wrap up there. Um, where can we follow The Camp House on the Internet and learn more about everything?
1: So um, we have thecamphouse.com as our website. Uh, but we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we talked about... Maggie, maybe that was offline, I don't know, but <laughs> Maggie Tate is a good friend who runs our Instagram account. She does a fantastic job.
0: Mm-hmm. Good friend of the podcast. She's been on.
1: Oh, good, good, yeah. good. And uh, and so she's great, and then we have a podcast as well, um, so you can always follow along there, too.
0: Awesome. And the Camp House podcast is on iTunes, all that?
1: Yep, just look up the Camp House and you'll find it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for joining me.
1: Thanks this a lot, Kate. This has been, been, been fun. This
0: has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm so excited to see see how everything evolves and
1: develops. Good. <laughs> yes. awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, this has been another episode of the Go Bell podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and I will catch y'all on all